Tuesday's slate featured one of the more surprising debuts of 2020 and the continuation of some hot streaks. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, September 16th. I'm Al Melker. I am here with Derek Van Riper. And uh, we're going to, I think, wind up digging into a, a little bit of the uh, StatCast leaderboards uh, a little bit later on in the show because, uh, you know, frankly, we are a little bit light on news. And, and uh, the players didn't help us out with a lot of stand-up performances unless, uh, you know, you're counting the games where they were running up the score. Uh, we've had a lot of those lopsided games lately, DVR. And your Brewers were uh, involved with one of them on Tuesday night. Yeah, they hit Jack Flaherty of all pitchers. I mean, if you tried to tell me they were going to put up a couple of crooked numbers against the Cardinals and Flaherty was going to be the starter, I would not have believed you after watching the weekend series with the Cubs and the offensive woes in Monday's doubleheader. Yeah, any concerns for Flaherty? I mean, I really I dug around a little bit, and it, it seems like an isolated bad start, although his velo was down about a mile per hour from where it had been. But uh, for one start, I'm not sure that, that that's something I'm going to be that worried about. No, I'm not too worried about it. I think the other thing, too, with the Cardinals having so many makeup games, he's one of those guys where the ratios just went through the roof because of the start. And you have to keep in mind, everyone's dealing with a small number of innings, but he's thrown about half as many as other top-end starters are thrown to this point. So, uh, yeah, much greater impact having that meltdown today in Milwaukee. Yeah, so, uh, but, you know, it just counts as one game, as, uh, you know, it, it does uh, for these other games that we've seen have <laughs> been very lopsided. And the other one where it was, you know, kind of a football-like score was the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and the Yankees sporting a, a bit of a different lineup than we've seen lately. Giancarlo Stanton back from the injured list, uh, going 0-4 with a walk. Uh, also, we saw Gio Urshel with a pretty big game, too. Three hits, including a couple of doubles. He was back in the lineup. Um, however, no Glaber Torres. He sat. He uh, reportedly was available to come off of the bench. But, uh, you know, with that uh, lopsided score, there was, I guess, no need for uh, uh, Torres in this game. But um, just something to keep an eye on. Sounds like maybe a day-to-day situation. For him, uh, we've got a couple of hitters who um, could be back very soon, meaning within maybe the next couple of days. Tasker Hernandez, who's been out with um, an oblique injury, he is scheduled to take batting practice on Wednesday. So if that goes well, he could be back as soon as Thursday for the Blue Jays. And uh, Eric Hosmer actually did take uh, batting practice already, did that on Tuesday, coming back from his fractured finger, and uh, he could be back in a, a matter of a few days. Uh, Also some good news for uh, Kevin Gosman. He had an MRI on his elbow, did not reveal any sort of structural damage. Uh, DVR, I guess this is just, again, another situation where we're going to have to look for the news. This was really framed as a positive for Kevin Gosman. But uh, if he's good to go to start, you know, say this weekend uh, and you're in a daily lineup league, how would you feel about starting Kevin Gosman? Because... I, you know, I have this disclaimer. I'm no doctor, but it would seem like if he's had got an elbow problem that's bad enough to require an MRI, it still might be good to kind of wait and see how he performs. Yeah, I mean, 
The A's are one of those lineups that I'm not as afraid of them as I expected to be at this point in the season. You know, Matt Chapman's injury that we talked about on Monday's episode uh, is one part of that. Marcus Simeon not being the same player he was a year ago is part of that. Even with that, though, I'm kind of in your boat where I'm a little cautious about starting Gossman here because the Giants are in the mix for a playoff spot and he has pitched really well. But even still, he's only gotten into the sixth inning once in his last five starts. So there is some risk that he goes short. If he feels anything in that arm, he's coming out of the game and there's a chance that maybe he's working with a bit less velocity than usual. So for me, it's a little bit too risky unless I'm in a complete desperation situation. I mean, if he's my only option, if I can't pick up a healthier alternative, then I guess maybe in those circumstances... I would throw him out there if I'm just trying to make up ground. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I mean, it's we're at the point of the season here where uh, it's kind of a different set of decision rules based on whether or not you're uh, very close to uh, the, the the top spot or um, you know whatever is at stake there. Or yeah, if you're just throwing a hail mary, obviously there's uh, a greater incentive to just take some risks there. Uh, also, in some injury news, Colton Wong was scratched from the Cardinals game on Tuesday with discomfort on his left side. And a um, couple of changes to the uh, Tigers infield. Jonathan Scope placed on the injured list with a sprained wrist. And just plugging right in uh, at second base, Nico Gudrum uh, coming back from the injured list with an oblique injury. So Gudrum, uh, you know, again, I guess maybe this requires multiple answers DVR because different uh, people have different needs in terms of categories and where they are in the standings. But Nico Gudrum did not hit for uh, average up to this point in the season, but uh, still has that power-speed combo. So uh, do you think if you need help, particularly in steals, because you can find power a little bit more easily, but if you need steals, is it worth the risk to uh, plug Nico Gudrum into your fancy lineup? I think I'm looking for something else. I know he was 5-for-5 five five this season, and he was pretty efficient. A year ago when he went 12 for 15 as a base stealer. But if I'm looking for speed, you know, Tim Locastro, somebody more like that is probably where I'm going. Just really focusing on a category-specific player. I think with Goodrum, maybe we saw the best he could be as a big league player last season. 12 homers and 12 steals, a 248, 322, 421 line. That would certainly be an improvement over what was happening in his first 31 games this season. Uh, but I don't think he's a lock to go right back into lineups now that he's active uh, even though you know he does have the potential to be at least a, a three or four category player. All right, yeah, and the playing time consideration is definitely one to take in, take into consideration at this point as well. And while we're on that topic of um, steel steals potential, uh, one of the handful of uh, what I would consider to be a standout performer um, on Tuesday was uh, Shogo Akiyama, who in our Tout Wars. Uh, 15 team mixed auction league. I dropped him a few weeks back, um, but uh, you know he's performed much better the last week or so. A um, couple of hits on Tuesday, uh, so now he's up to 11 hits in his last 20 night at bats for a 3.79 average, and over that span, six strikeouts but eight walks. So not only helping with the batting average but also with OBP, he's made five stolen base attempts over this nine-game span, but he's only succeeded twice. So I think that's kind of a glass-half-full, half-empty thing that he's clearly got the green light, but uh, that's obviously poor efficiency over a small sample. So um, if you needed steals, who would you feel better about, Akiyama or Gudrum? Actually, I'd go Akiyama. I think there's more OBP there, and to get on uh, is key in order to have stolen base opportunities. I think that keeps his playing time a little safer. I think the 
lineup supporting him is a little bit better too. They're probably both below average offensive players in a real life context. So you know, the playing time can fall apart at any time, but I like that Akiyama has been really aggressive. The Reds are trying to find some different ways to manufacture runs. Uh, I don't know how interested I am in him for next season, but I do see category juice potential from Akiyama the rest of the way. All right. Yeah. Such as it is about a week and a half to go. Uh, so there's some potential help there. And uh, there were some really interesting pitching performances on the Tuesday slate. We're going to get to those in just a moment. Hi, I'm the Athletics' Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino, they have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself, uh, You have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know, what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule. And uh, and then you come out and, and they're, they're going to send you uh, clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at check. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. Joe at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is Joe. This is the Athletics Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So DVR, we've had a lot of prospects getting called up. And I you know, I pretty much anticipated over these last couple of weeks, I mean, we've seen the biggest call-ups now. There's probably not going to be a lot of impact ones. And when I saw that the Red Sox were going to call up Tanner Houck uh, to make his major league debut against the Marlins, 
honestly, I didn't even see a point of putting it in the rundown for our our, uh, our Tuesday show because I, you know, I just didn't expect much. And he turned in one of the best pitching performances on that Tuesday slate, going five scoreless innings against the Marlins, outdueling Sandy Alcantara, giving up just two hits, three walks, seven strikeouts in those five innings for Tanner Houck. So, uh, yeah, how wrong was I? Uh, or, or, or on the other hand, is this fluky or matchup based? It might just be matchup based. I mean, Tanner Houck isn't even ranked in my friend James Anderson's top 400 prospects. So I think you may have been right to not include him in the rundown for our show. Uh, obviously, it was a nice debut. This is a guy that does have a pedigree, a first rounder in 2017. He was the 24th overall pick that year. I think they're still trying to figure out like what he's going to do with his pitch mix in the long run. And he worked a lot as a reliever last season, too. So I would not have had any sort of confidence in using him as a streamer, even as like a desperation sort of starter. I think he kind of exceeded even the highest of expectations for his debut. So hats off to him. And obviously, there's an opportunity there. So maybe he gets a couple more turns before the season's over. Yep, yeah, that's uh, you know two at most, but that possibility is uh, is still out there. And um, you know, there's been a bit of a theme. It seems like DVR the last maybe week or so. We had the uh, Alec Mills no hitter. We've had some pretty contact friendly pitchers doing really well um, in isolated games or even just um, you know over a longer span. But one of the pitchers we haven't talked about who I think fits in that group is Sean Manaya, and I figured. He, he was going to have his comeuppance on Tuesday night pitching in Colorado, but had a, a pretty nice start. I mean, the line doesn't look great because um, he gave up some hits late, but going five and two thirds, giving up three runs on seven hits, just one walk and seven strikeouts. So a nice strikeout count in this particular game for uh, Sean Manaya. And coming into this contest against the Rockies, previous four starts, a 161 ERA, 22 and a third innings, just one walk. 16K, so not a very robust K rate for, for Minaya, but he's he's getting it done. Yeah, he is. I think the strikeout rate we saw in the limited innings a year ago was pretty fluky. Most people, I think, were all over that as it pertained to Minaya in 2020 and how they valued him. It's interesting to see he's getting more ground balls, though, with the strikeout rate coming back down, doing a great job limiting free passes, and doing a pretty good job keeping the ball in the yard, too. The home run rate looks pretty much the same as it did a season ago to give up one of those in the start on Tuesday night. But to go into Coors and go five and two-thirds, only give up two earned runs, that's actually a great start given the circumstances. Uh, Where does he fall for you overall among pitchers? Is he kind of a fringy, the top 40, top 50 sort of guy? I'd say closer to top 50. Partly just because of um, injury risk, long you know the long-term health patterns for him. And... Just not yeah, not quite trusting the overall results for fantasy, given that uh, you know you can't really expect the strikeouts from Anaya. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'd rank him too. I mean, I think the WHIP is sort of legit. He's shown over the course of his career he could be above average in a good way in that category, uh, and maybe a sub four ERA like he's had to this point in his career. That's also possible going forward. Uh, he's one of those guys beating his current ERA by about a run with his FIP. I know there are other ERA indicators that are better and. Uh, more advanced at this point, but it's a good sort of at a glance sort of way to get a feel for whether or not someone could actually get a bit better in that category. So I, I think when you look at the underlying numbers, they do sort of support a, a profile that I could believe in as being better than what we've seen so far. 
Yeah, well, and uh, turning our attention to a much shorter term uh, perspective than looking ahead at what Mania might uh, be uh, good for next year. Michael Lorenzen making a start. And I'll say I was surprised to see him go five innings uh, on Tuesday night against the Pirates. Um, he's been relieving all season long. Uh, five very good innings, just one run on four hits, no walks, six strikeouts for Lorenzen. It's kind of a crowded rotation situation for the Reds, especially if Sonny Gray can come back and make another start. So do you think it's worthwhile to just pick up Lorenzen on the chance that he makes another start? And that's a good start. Yeah, I was surprised to see him go five as well. I think he went four at the end of August in an appearance. So maybe that was our indicator that he could go that deep into a start. But you know, even if Sonny Gray doesn't come back, I think you look at the matchups. I think the next time out, Lorenzen would face maybe the Brewers at home next week, depending on how they manage the off day. I'm not sure I really love that matchup for him. I think... He's one of those guys that I like a lot more as a reliever than as a starter, but the Pirates are a team you could pick on. So I would err on the side of caution and probably only pick up Lorenzen if I'm truly desperate for innings and just any shot at a win. All right. Well, I do want to talk about one more pitcher here before we wrap up. As I mentioned earlier, I had been taking a look at some StatCast uh, leaderboards. I thought we'd maybe dig in a little bit more, but uh, I at least want to get to one pitcher who ranks very high in terms of a negative ERA minus X ERA differential. Uh, in other words, basically overachieving an ERA. And that's Mike Clevenger, who's got a 310 ERA, which you wouldn't have any reason to suspect it uh, as being fluky because it's Mike Clevenger, but his XERA is 480. His strikeout rate is way down, just a little bit under one strikeout per inning. Uh, the walk rate is 8.8%, which is you know not terrible, but not great. Um, and he'll, he'll get uh, the Mariners for his next start, but next week he could face the Giants, who have actually been one of the best offenses in, in recent weeks. So uh, any reason to be nervous here about Clevenger? I don't think so. If you look at the underlying numbers, the velocity is still in line with last season. The pitch mix has actually changed for the better, in my opinion. He's throwing more sliders, getting away from the four-seamer a little bit, uh, still using the curveball about 12% of the time. We're still seeing some change-ups in there as well. He's even tinkering with a cutter a little bit. I think it's just a relatively small sample size. He missed a little bit of time before the trade, so he's only made seven starts this season. Uh, I'm still buying into Clevenger as a guy who maybe isn't the top 10 pitcher, that I had him pegged to be going into the season, but is at least a steady top 20 guy with room for a bit more with the run support he'll be getting in San Diego. All right, well, fair enough. And uh, before we go, time to uh, check in with our featured read of the day. And this one from Nick Groke, never seen it this bad. Poor air quality could put some MLB players at risk. So in a season where there's been a lot to worry about um, and just a lot that was unexpected, one more thing uh, to read about that uh, you know is uh, important and, and really could have an impact. And uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Thursday. <music>